the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Ronald Reagan once said, The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant, it's just that they know so much that isn't so. So let's take a dive into the differences between a conservative and a liberal from a perspective I doubt you have heard. But first, a word from our sponsor. FNM Painting Company is located in beautiful Lidditz, Pennsylvania, in the heart of Amish country in Lancaster County. In business since 1996, they work with new construction, custom homes, remodels, and perform a wide variety of services. Frequently ranked as the top painting company in Lancaster County, FNM Painting is a high-quality, service-oriented organization in both commercial and residential spaces. When you call FNM Painting, you know you are getting the professionals. If a 19-year-old video gaming teenager smelling like THC shows up to paint your kitchen, you did not call FNM Painting. Their employees are held to high standards of service and excellence. That's the only way they could achieve 17 consecutive years of growth. I've known the owner, Brandon McCartney, for more than 25 years. He's a devoted family man and passionately loves God and country. When I think of a patriot, he is the first person that comes to mind. He is exactly what American small business is all about. To get a quote today, call 717-569-3680 or visit their website at fmpainting.com. That's fmpainting.com or call 717-569-3680. Be sure to mention that you are a Kingdom Patriot. FNM Painting Company. Kind, professional patriots. Contact them today. Conservatism, liberalism, progressivism. These are terms that are commonplace in today's political discourse. Well, Rush Limbaugh used to talk a ton about the ability for conservatives to clarify and articulate their point of view in the arena of ideas. So that's really the basis of today's conversation. Many people ask, what's the difference between a conservative and a liberal, especially knowing that those terms are tossed around all the time? But it's my contention that more people actually identify within varying degrees of conservatism than anything else. So let's just jump right in. So first, we're going to really talk about these two competing philosophies, conservatives and liberals. We're going to talk about the policy differences, both fiscally and socially. But if you're curious about where you fall, just Google search any kind of quiz that helps you determine whether or not you're a conservative or a liberal. Here's just a couple that I found. PewResearch.org, PoliticalPersonality.org, BrainFall.com. For me, I rank anywhere from a nationalist libertarian to a moderate conservative to a quarter conservative, depending on the analysis. None of these quizzes are really ideal, but if you take several of them, I think you'll kind of find an idea of where you fall. So let's start with conservatives. Conservatism in the U.S. is a term that's often assigned to people who prioritize American traditions, republicanism, limited federal government, especially in how it relates to states' rights. Sometimes it's referred more simply as limited government in comparison to states' rights. Typically, this is going to be in support of Christian values and moral universalism, which is quite a bit different from liberals who really believe in moral relativism. Uh, American exceptionalism, individualism. Typically, a conservative is pro-capitalist, very pro-business, and typically also oppose trade unions. I think we conservatives often advocate for strong national defense, certainly for guns rights and the right to keep and bear arms, free trade, and we defend Western culture from 
perceived threats from communism, socialism, moral relativism. What separates American conservatives from right-leaning libertarians is that while we believe that government should be limited, we do favor strong action in areas that we believe actually fall within the federal government's jurisdiction. Things like national defense and law enforcement. From a social perspective, we often oppose abortions, civil unions, same-sex marriages, while supporting Christian prayer in public schools and government funding for private Christian schools, or at least for people to have the choice to how to use their tax dollars in the choice of their schools. Generally speaking, we conservatives uphold the principles of the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. As a conservative, I typically believe that I have the right to worship as I choose. I believe in the rule of law and in self-determination. While I would never say that I believe in zero government regulation, I do believe that government's role in our economy should be passive and not active. It might surprise you when you look at a liberal's point of view, however, that they also have a philosophy based on liberty. But that philosophy is really guised under the consent of the governed inequality before the law. So while a liberal has a lot of different views and how they understand these principles, and technically they do support individual rights, but it's through the lens of civil rights, human rights, democracy, secularism, freedom of speech. But what I see, at least in modern liberalism, at least what we see today more appropriately, is that progressive liberalism gives way more credence to equality and weight than it does to individual liberty. Individual liberty is a core value only so long as you agree with that liberal's point of view. It's very similar in free speech as well. Speech that aligns with equality, that has the right buzzwords, that's outcome-oriented, that is touted as free speech, but any contrarian views are viewed as hate and require intense scrutiny to be silent. So I think that's really interesting that the traditional view of liberalism focuses on individual liberty, but what we see today, I think, is anything but. Now, originally, liberalism sought to replace kind of the norms of society. They wanted to do, do away with privilege. They wanted to make sure there was no state religion, no absolute monarchy, that the divine right of kings, any kind of traditional conservatism with respect to democracy and the rule of law, they wanted to do away with all of that. They did not like policies, certainly that related to the economy, that had royal monopolies or any kind of other barriers to trade. They wanted to promote free trade and marketization, which I also find interesting because in today's liberalism, that really is not the mark of a liberal. They absolutely want to clamp down. They don't want free market. And then the current iteration, I would say, of the liberalism in America, what you see is a strong bent towards the need to expand civil rights. Liberals have advocated for gender and racial equality, even things that were not considered a civil right. They've spent years and decades trying to reframe what the Civil Rights Act even applied to in order to make sure that new, new areas applied to civil rights. So that's just a quick snapshot of, I think, of what I would call the traditional definitions of conservatism and liberalism. But I can often get very frustrated when we have these definitions and classifications of political thought. So in an attempt to be a little more practical, let's spend a few minutes dialoguing over several topics, sharing examples of what a conservative might view or might how address a particular topic versus a liberal point of view. For example, abortion. A liberal would say that a woman has the right to decide anything that happens to her body, that life does not begin at conception, and that that baby does not have individual rights. 
And the government should not only support abortion, but it should provide taxpayer-funded abortions for women who cannot afford them. This decision to have an abortion should be the woman's choice, what to do with their own body, and the government must absolutely protect that right at all costs. However, a conservative would say that life begins at conception, and that abortion is the murder of a human being, and that that unborn baby, as a living human being, has rights, according to the Declaration of Independence, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A typical conservative is very opposed to taxpayer-funded abortion, and that those tax dollars should not be provided to the government at all for an abortion. Typically, a conservative is going to support prohibitions on partial birth abortions and any other legislation that in some way will save the life of a baby. So what about affirmative action? A liberal says we have to have affirmative action in order to prevent racism. That's because we've seen it in the past because minorities were deprived of the same opportunities as white people. The government must absolutely do everything they can to protect that, to make up for that, America still is a racist society, as we've talked about in previous podcasts with critical race theory. So affirmative action is not just a necessary law in the 60s and 70s, but, but that necessity still exists today. But conservatives would say individuals should be admitted to schools and hired for jobs on their ability. That in fact, if you use race as a factor in order to try to achieve equality, you've actually committed racism in the process. What about the death penalty? A liberal says the death penalty should be abolished because it's inhumane, it's cruel, it's unusual punishment, that imprisonment is really the appropriate punishment for murder. Yet a conservative would say that the death penalty is punishment that fits the crime. It's not cruel or unusual. Therefore, executing a murderer is really appropriate. When you talk about the economy, a liberal would say the market system, which government regulates the economy, is ideal. That government must protect citizens from the greed of big business. And that unlike the private sector, the government is motivated by public interest. Government regulation in all years of the economy is needed to level any kind of playing field. You hear that a lot when you hear, we must go after corporations, we must go after big business. Yet a conservative is a true believer in a free market system. They want capitalism to be a competitive arena and that private enterprise uh, should create the greatest opportunity for, for the standard of living for all of us. And that free markets themselves, without government intervention, actually produce more economic growth, greater jobs, a higher standard of living, and that we must avoid excessive government regulation wherever we see that it exists. What about global climate change? A liberal's point of view points to man-made pollution as a key contributor to global climate change. And that the U.S., because we produce anywhere from 25 to 30% of the world's carbon dioxide, is a key bad actor in this process and that we must have laws that completely change how we approach climate and energy. Whereas a conservative would say, you know what, we've seen the trending over time and that these ebbs and flows of warming and cooling occur. Science has not shown that man has caused this. It does show that the trends are real, but not that man is the sole cause. And so a conservative would say, let's have laws that are smart, but does not affect global climate change at the expense of the economy and business. When it comes to the Second Amendment, a liberal would say that individual citizens do not have the right to keep and bear arms, that really that's only for militias. Individuals don't need guns for protection, and it's the role of the local and federal governments to protect people, not just through law enforcement, but to eliminate firearms altogether, and that the more gun control laws we have, the better. If we can just eliminate all the guns on the streets, then we can create safer communities. Yet a conservative would say that makes no sense. 
first of all, if you put gun laws that remove laws from the streets, the only people who obey them are by definition law-abiding citizens to begin with. And those who commit crimes with guns by definition are not law-abiding citizens and are unlikely to turn in their firearms because someone has passed a law to do so. But more importantly, a conservative believes that the Second Amendment is a key component of our Constitution, that it was not really meant to protect individual citizens from each other. It was meant to allow citizens to protect themselves from the government. And a topic that I'm very familiar with is healthcare. A typical liberal would say that healthcare is a fundamental civil right. But a conservative would say that the rights that are protected by our Constitution are found in our Declaration of Independence, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that healthcare, while it's a great thing to have and we should do everything we can as the private sector to provide for those who are in need, it's still not a fundamental civil right. It is a transaction that costs money. And if we don't have the money to pay for it, then we should not. I could go on and on about private property, eminent domain, religion, and government, and various other aspects of the difference between liberals and conservatives. But I think you get the idea. But I want to take a few minutes to focus on something that I believe is fundamental to the conservative liberal definition. And I'm not talking about another topic or another policy. I'm talking about a thought process. But to illustrate this, I want to use the argument around the Supreme Court and the idea of packing the Supreme Court. So a conservative says, if we want to see the change of the court and we want to see the court return to a traditional view of interpreting the Constitution, then we need to make sure we elect a president who is going to nominate justices who are conservative in judicial temperament. Not that they hold the same fiscal views as I do, but that they hold a strict interpretation of the Constitution, that we need to understand the intent of the Founding Fathers, that it is not a living, breathing document. Liberals typically believe the opposite, that the Constitution is a living and breathing document, and it needs to adapt and change as society adapts and change and grows. Why is this important? Because it's how we achieve that end. Because a conservative wants to see the Supreme Court interpret the Constitution from a, a strict, conservative, fundamentalist, originality point of view, many times referred to as an originalist, We know that the importance is electing a president who will nominate those kinds of candidates. And so we put a great emphasis on electing the right candidate who will do such a thing. But what you hear from the liberal side is not an emphasis on electing the right president. What you hear is that when the wrong president has been elected, and in their view, the wrong justices have been nominated, then it's time to change the game. It's time to change uh, how we make up the Supreme Court. So that's where you get this idea of court packing. And court packing, if you, if you don't already know, is where instead of, we have, instead of having nine justices, you can dilute the influence of the current court by saying that the court is now going to be 11 or 13 or 15 or 17 justices, hoping that when there is a new liberal president, that the Supreme Court now can be diluted from its conservative bent by just electing and not, not electing, but nominating um, more liberal justices. Why do I share this example Because for a conservative, the rule of law is paramount. The process matters. I cannot emphasize that enough. We have such a high value place in our Constitution. We know that our founding fathers wanted there to be friction. Our founding fathers did not want a single ruler or a single branch of government to fundamentally change the government in a short period of time without truly having the consent of the people. That's why the process was designed for gridlock. It was designed 
for conflict. It was designed for compromise so that any fundamental change that would occur in our form of government would take a period of time. It would take a lot of time. It would take a lot of struggle, a lot of conversation. It would have to survive multiple elections of people coming and people going. But a liberal's point of view is not that. The process doesn't matter as much. For a liberal, the ends justify all means. So if we don't have the right people in the court, according to the liberal point of view, then we need to pack the court because we need to get the right point of view. And why is that dangerous? Well, from a liberal's point of view, if you pack the court and then a conservative president is elected, then that just means that it's even going to be more fundamentally conservative. Now, as a conservative, I like that, but I don't like the process in which we achieve that. Court packing is clearly an ends justifies all means in order to get there. You see this in the filibuster as well. Well, let's use the filibuster when it serves us, when we're in the minority, but we're in the majority, we need to end the filibuster. And that's what you're hearing right now is liberals calling for the end of filibuster. And I know I could rant and go on and on about this, but I'm trying to illustrate for you that a conservative believes the process matters because our founding fathers outlined a process for struggle, for change, for dialogue, for compromise. But the liberal says, no, my view is most important and it does not matter how I get to the right ends. The problem is everybody has an interpretation and a definition and a point of view of what the right ends are. And when the ends justify all means, it really is saying that our constitution, our process, our flow, our work, our struggle really doesn't matter. It only matters to those in power who at the snap of a finger or the signature of an executive order can again change something fundamentally that was meant to be a struggle according to our founding fathers. So I hope this helps bring a little bit more understanding about the thought process, at least as I see in my view, the difference between a conservative liberal. Yes, we have different points of view and we should debate that in the court of public opinion. But I think one of the most fundamental views is exactly what I've just mentioned. It's the idea that the end does not justify all means. That's how we go from a democracy to a social democracy to a socialist nation, maybe communist, and ultimately a dictatorship. When the ends justify all means, it is dangerous territory. Let's not go there. Whenever you have the opportunity, please share with your friends, your family, your neighbors, that the process matters. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, FNM Painting. To schedule your appointment today, call 717-569-3680 or visit fmpainting.com. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Music